Hello, everyone, and welcome to Nice to Meet You. This is your host, Simone, and this is a podcast of conversations with friends and strangers where we talk about life and lessons learned along the way. Today, we have with us Chaz, and Chaz, if you can introduce yourself and tell everybody how we met. Uh, sure. So my name is Chaz Scott. Um, full-time, I'm a cyber defense engineer, um, and then outside of that, I, I started a nonprofit uh, called Positively Caviar Incorporated that uh, focuses on stealing mental resilience by way of intentional positive thinking. Um, and I think we met through Instagram, but yeah. through a common friend that I used yeah, to, um, <laughs> yeah, that we did some work together on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was on the podcast like a couple months ago. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, very interesting story. Yeah. Um, so where are you from? So I'm from outside of Baltimore. I spent most of my life there, um, a town called Ellicott City in Howard County. Um, but like I told you before, my father was in the Air Force, mm-hmm. um, so we moved around a lot. He was a B-52 navigator in the Air Force, taught at the Air Force Academy, so I used to live in Colorado Springs. I was born in Shreveport, Louisiana, and then I lived part of my life in Northern Virginia, and then finally, Ellicott City, Maryland, is where I spent most of my life. Okay. Did you get to go anywhere international? I wish, no. Oh, okay. No. Where was your favorite place to live? Uh, from what I remember, I love Colorado Springs. Like, I just, something about the mountains and mm-hmm. just being out there in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, it's not the middle of nowhere, but, <laughs> it's like, not the like, mountains, yeah. it's just, it just feels good to be in nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes. I'm not, I'm not, not quite a nature person, so right. it's like, it's nice to be outside in controlled environments. Right. So. <laughs> I, I respect that. Yeah, like rooftops and, you know, patios. <laughs> so it's funny that you mentioned that because <laughs> I did my first 50K um, about four weeks ago up wow. in Pennsylvania. Wow. So it was my goal. I was like, I want to run a 50K this year. And out there in Pennsylvania, it's three hours away in a town called Williamsport, and there was no cell phone reception and no GPS. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, people can Talk still about the like middle that? of nowhere. Yeah. No, in terms of like where the course was, the mm-hmm. 30 miles, it was ridiculous because wow. there was nothing out there. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, what if I fall and hurt my ankle? What do I do? Who do I call? I can't call yeah. anybody. You just wait for the next person that's going yeah, to help me. Like, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. My goal is to run a 5K this year. I nice. I have not done that yet. But I'm putting it on the list for next year. Okay. So. Yeah, as long as it's still on the list. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I'm going to start training for that, I think, next week. So Nice. Yeah, it should be fun. How did you get into running? Um, I don't know. I never really was a runner. I played basketball in high school. But when I started doing, so a lot of what my nonprofit is mental resilience and, like, overcoming, like, your mental thresholds and mm-hmm. adversity. So I started to realize that running was a really good kind of opportunity to um, – it's like a process of self-discovery within oneself when they feel like they can't go anymore. Mm-hmm. And I thought exercising, like running, was a activity that kind of represented that. Yeah, definitely it's a lot like, of mental endurance. Yeah, your glycogen levels get so low, there's not enough energy to give to your muscles, and you're like, should I quit or should I keep going? Mm-hmm. And then overcoming. So, wow. yeah. So how did you get to this point like with your platform? Like, Where did it start? Where did it start? So I went to Hampton University, studied computer science, and then my master's program there. And I started to realize how important it was. Well, first, I read a book called Power of Positive Thinking by Dr. Norman Vincent Peale. And I started to realize, like, the importance of positive thinking and mm-hmm. how to kind of incorporate that in your life. I started seeing the benefits of incorporating it in my life. And I was like, man, I really want to give this to kids. Um because a lot of people just aren't exposed to this type of thinking yeah, or how to use it. Mm-hmm. So we started doing workshops, and I started doing speaking engagements with the Boys and Girls Club in Hampton, Virginia. Okay. And then it just kind of morphed into what we have now. Okay. So what kind of programs do you have? So one of the biggest ones that we market is our Build Self-Empowerment Workshops. Mm-hmm. It's called Being Unique Individuals While Learning and Developing. And it was started by one of my um, chief program officers, Shema. Um, who, so basically it's all about, if you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you have the, like the foundational needs and necessities. You got water, uh, food, maybe red wine. (laughs) Um, and then you, you just move up the chain and then you have psychological needs that you have to address as far as like, um, collaboration, communication with Mm -hmm. other individuals, love. And then the other psychological need is like, um, self-love, self-confidence, and then the highest levels are self-actualization, mm-hmm. which is I believe my own thoughts and I see them manifest in my life. 
In order for you to get to the point of self-actualization, you have to know um, how to love yourself or know the things that you love about yourself. And you would be surprised, you know, when we do these activities in Baltimore and D.C., you know, they're fun and interactive activities. We would have kids cut out hearts and write three things that you love about, about yourself and then stand up. But you would be surprised how like how hard it is for kids to talk about the things that they love about themselves. I would, yeah. Um, but it would be very easy for them to talk about things that they did not like about themselves. So that's a narrative that we're trying to shift yeah. because, you know, if my life is a direct reflection of the thoughts and conversations I have in my head, think what these kids are having. Yeah. You know, and we have to change that narrative and talk about it. So. Where do you think it comes from? Um... It comes from trauma, good trauma, bad trauma, um, the way that you were, uh, you know, um, were raised. And then also the, stu- the things of what I study is the primitive nature of the brain. So we're constantly always focused on things, um, you know, when, when you have a fear, um, there's certain neurotransmitters that are released and it keeps us to stay alive, basically. Mm-hmm. So back in the day, when we had a fear that we, you know, there was a saber-toothed tiger or a bear... We would run. Yeah. That's it. That's in order for us <laughs> to save ourselves, yeah. right? But now when we're um, when we're fearful in class and we don't want to mm-hmm. speak up or when we're fearful of not believing in ourselves to to do a presentation in front of people, right? That's where it like limits like yeah. our human self-exploration and oneself and becoming really good at that conversation that's happening when when those moments happen. I mean, I think it's like human superpower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and there's, there's a part in the brain, you you have Netflix? I do, yeah. There's a, um, uh, episode on Explained. Oh my God, I love that show. It's amazing, (laughs) right? I love that show. (laughs) So the best one, of course, the best one I like is the one that's called The Mind, but it's, uh, talks about mindfulness Mm -hmm. and it talks about, this is what I'm talking about, the monkey mind, um, the brain's DMN, which is the brain's default mode network. Yeah. I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm fearful. I should stay right here. I want to be comfortable. That type of narrative limits us, but it's also to you know it has it stems from keeping us alive. Right? Yeah. But you know we're not in those times anymore. Yeah, it's really interesting, like thinking about it that way, where it's like at first it was like a life threatening thing, where it's like now I can't, you know, like I literally need to survive. But like it is like actually like society move forward with forward with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. Like at first it was just like stay alive. Then it was like do this and that. You know. Like, yeah. To, yeah. The point where self-actualization will, I guess, be the goal because, yeah. I don't know, I feel like this is kind of like spacey, I guess, but I feel like we're going to run out of jobs that we could do and yeah. then we're just going to have time to think. And, yes. Yeah. It's going to, you know what it is? And that's really good you bring it up. It's going to drive people insane mm-hmm. because, um, you know, when I do meditation and when I do it with the kids, I always tell people that um, the greatest thing that you can give another human being is like your peace and your happiness and to not look for any type of external factors to give it to you. Yeah. So if we're always constantly looking, buying the next car, getting the next necklace, whatever, whatever, um, you know, a lot of us are going to go crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, what's your, like, guilty pleasure, like, buying thing? You know, uh, or, like, on the next car and, like, the next... Buying... I mean, me and my dad really like to soup up BMWs and stuff, mm-hmm. but... Um, uh, you know, now that I got a full time job and all that stuff, and I got bills. I'm like, man, this stuff is kind of expensive. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I realized that real quick. <laughs> yeah, like real life happens. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Everything got very expensive this year. I know that's right. <laughs> well, yeah, with a mortgage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is nothing to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, what, you can refinance. This is a good time if you think about it. In the within the first year. I'm about to refinance. Okay. The, right. the interest rates went that. really low. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm about to save, like, $189 a month. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's bills right there. <laughs> um, so, if you had money to splurge on one thing, what would you buy? Would it be a BMW? Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> splurge on one thing? Oh, I know. I would buy some real estate, man. I'm trying to, you know. Where would you buy it? Um, downtown D.C., Interesting. Would you buy like an apartment building or commercial real estate? Um, it would either be, yeah, it would be like an apartment building, commercial real estate, something that would make money on top of money. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, um, switching back to caviar, um, what do you see in the future? So, 
there's a program organization called Black Girls Code that um, basically facilitates, you know, mentors to come out in certain areas around the United States. They basically send out blast emails and they're like, we're having a coding session. We want mentors to come out. Um, You know, two weeks before the session, they Mm -hmm. have like, you know, exactly what you're going to be doing, what you're going to be teaching, and they have like a phone call and stuff. Essentially, that's what I want to do with our workshops. I want to facilitate workshops throughout the United States where we have volunteers that come out. You know, and we're, we're doing this in underserved communities, so we yeah. want people that look like those communities, mm-hmm. right? Um, obviously, we're not going to just say no and nobody else, but <laughs> it's important that studies have shown, like, when a teacher is of the same race, mm-hmm. the kids do so much better because yeah. they can relate. Right? It means a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I think about the, the teachers that I had in school, the ones that I really connected with, it were, it were those that knew my culture, knew how I grew up, and could understand me. Yeah. So. Thinking about, like, um, they did, like, this question where it's, like, when was, like, the first time you had, like, a black teacher or, like, a Uh, black male teacher? And for me, it wasn't even until, like, literally, like, college, maybe, like, sophomore year. Yeah. And, like, I had black female teachers, but that wasn't even until, like, I think maybe middle school. Yeah. So. When you think about that, it's, like, crazy. It (laughs) is crazy. I think my first black woman teacher was fourth grade miss hartgrove yeah i don't even remember having a black male teacher (laughs) wow well maybe when i got to hampton but nope yeah it's crazy have you ever thought about being a teacher uh i mean i like to call myself a teacher of our workshops but no not (laughs) i would not be a full-time teacher no 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 what is it about it that like um uh i don't know i mean i I think my passion aligns in, in teaching people things, but no, I think um, I think that's somebody else's job. <laughs> um, I think for me, it's more like how can I like advance humanity towards like this peace movement and mm-hmm. happiness and stuff like that. And um, if anything, I would really you know go back to school and get my PhD or like be a professor or something like that. Mm-hmm. So. What would you get your PhD in? Um, to be determined. <laughs> Um, and I'm probably not going to go down that route because mm. tuition is so expensive yeah. these days. And that's one of the main reasons why the black, you know, the wealth gap is so, um, the disparities are so crazy yeah. because we're paying back these student loans forever. Yeah. The true. money that we're putting into these student loans can go into our investment accounts mm-hmm. or pay off our debt. Now, and tuition debt is like crazy. Yeah. So why did you choose an HBCU? So I told you my um, my dad was in the United States Air Force, so he's a B-52 navigator. So I grew up on a lot of military bases. There just wasn't a lot of people that looked like me. Mm-hmm. I remember my first time coming to Baltimore, and um, I was sitting in the back seat. And um, actually, I don't remember the story, but my parents keep re- telling me <laughs> the story. And my grandfather was driving me around down um, Martin Luther King Boulevard in downtown Baltimore. And... Um, I apparently I looked at Adam I see I was probably like six or something and I was like look I was like grandfather look at all these people on the street like and I think I probably said something in nature like, where all these black people come from or something <laughs> like because I've never seen that many people yeah. like surrounded like that and um I was and then so it occurred to me when I was growing up I was like I've never been around like um a substantial amount of black people that were doing successful things that mm-hmm. were heading a, towards a right direction And um, I really wanted to put myself in that space. I I I felt like I was yearning for um, people that looked like me that were heading in the same direction. And and HBCU, I think, was the the perfect atmosphere to put myself in. And not only did I get a really good education, it is what you you make of it and the program, but... You know, you get a full range of life in like four years. Yeah. Like the ups, <laughs> the downs, the relationships, mm-hmm. the grades, the um, just dealing with like real world um, uh, ramifications as it relates to, you know, student loans and, 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 and taxes and stuff. But um, I think it was one of the best uh, choices I've ever could have made. Mm-hmm. Like when I see people that goes to, go to HBCUs, I know there's like the real HU thing, Howard and Hampton. <laughs> But at the end of the day, like, we all went to HBCU, yeah. so we know the significance of it. And um, it's just like a family thing, man. Yeah. That's one thing I regret about my college career. I kind of wish that I'd chosen HBCU instead of Maryland. Okay. But, like, my parents didn't really push me in either way. And, yeah. like, Maryland was easy, so it's like, yeah, but that's one thing I would have changed. I mean, it was probably a lot cheaper, too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Student <laughs> definitely. loans, man. Yeah. <laughs> I do not blame you. 
Have you ever been in love? Oh, absolutely. I'm in love right now. <laughs> What's it like? Um, love is, is vulnerability, man. I mean, you know, growing up, I think you're, you're trying to find yourself. It's like a process of human self-exploration. But when you share those experiences and that process with somebody else, you're extremely vulnerable mm -hmm. because you're not only admitting your faults um, to yourself, you are now admitting your faults and everything else to somebody else. Yeah. Accountability also, I guess. Oh, and absolutely <laughs> accountability. Um, so, so love is beautiful, but, it, but it's not always easy. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. What's the hardest part? Um, it's, a, it's a team effort. It's a <laughs> cooperation, right? Um, I've been with my girlfriend, uh, Kiara Jones. That's my girl. Um, for about uh, two and a half, three years. And, you know, this is, it's not easy to be in a, in a relationship, especially in today's climate. Mm -hmm. You got Instagram, you got, <laughs> you know, who knows what's out there these days. So, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I had somebody else on the podcast and they were talking about, yeah, it's like hard to settle down because of Instagram also. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is Instagram doing out here? I mean, this is, so I was on a panel a couple of weeks ago. I'm glad this came up. And I was talking about the, um, the effects that Instagram and social media are having mm -hmm. on us because each time we get a notification or a like, a neurotransmitter in our brain goes off, which is dopamine. And like, like social media companies know this scientific fact. Yeah. And from my perspective, I've heard that they're working with Las Vegas casinos in order for them to specifically attack the human brain to keep our intentions. Interesting. Scary. Well, it's very scary because if you think if you think about time, I didn't want to use the same word to use a definition, but the most precious thing that we have is time. Mm -hmm. And if you think about how much time we spend in front of a phone, crazy, and the dopamine neurotransmitters that are continuing to release those those um, stimulations and those feel good chemicals every time we get a notification, mm -hmm. um, we can become very addicted to that. Like yeah. like say you're writing a paper, right? You're supposed to be writing a paper unconsciously you pick up your phone you're you're four pictures down and you're like yep. how did i even get here <laughs> and then that has an effect on our intention span they mm -hmm. say our intention span is just oh, it's worse than trash. a goldfish yeah mine is trash so <laughs> but one thing i do is i keep my phone on do not disturb like it's always on do not disturb it's been like that for like three years and also with the um like twitter and instagram yeah. i don't have them go to like my actual phone screen notifications okay so they're just like in app so it's like i'll only see like messages and emails like on my actual home screen yes and then i have to like go into the app to see like any notifications yeah, yeah, yeah. so it, like kind of like controls it a little bit but yeah I'm still on twitter like way too much <laughs> so so i mean at least like people are taking the time to like say um you know i mean i may need to limit or do some things to help with that yeah like i know people that you know won't be on Instagram for like two, four weeks or something like that and just take a break to just like, like stay in the journey of like their life, you know? Cause you're like, Oh, what's this person doing? What's this person? Doing? What's it? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like it's like, um, circumventing like your own journey of life. It is like, yeah, it takes like, especially like with self actualization, it takes that attention away from like just thinking like, yeah. so my phone broke, um, like it's the iPhone seven. So like Apple had this issue where they just stopped receiving cell service, like for some inexplicable reason. Wow. I had to like take it into Apple, but it took me like two or three weeks to do that. So in that time, my phone would only work on Wi-Fi. And I realized just like how much time I spend like looking for like messages and like, yeah. you know, like just trying to connect to people and just like, instead of just like being centered and focused on myself. Yeah. And like taking that break, like nobody could like call me during that time because I didn't have any cell service. And like just taking that break was like actually like really nice and like freeing. Yeah. And it was like, I'll give you guys access to me when I want to. Yeah. Instead of just, like, being so available. Yeah. So, yeah. It was an interesting, like, time period. And now, like, I'm back on the phone. But, you know, that was, that was nice. <laughs> That's amazing. And, I mean, I mean, you, you kind of had to go through that situation. But I just think it's important that, like, we, um, like, we stay conscious and aware that mm -hmm. that stuff is out there. And we put ourselves in positions where, um, you know, we, I mean, because social media is a valuable tool, mm -hmm. right? It, helped us find each other yeah. right and to do your podcast but i just want people to be conscious and aware because it can um limit your growth in life yeah if you allow it what ways do you see it like limiting people just <laughs> be on do not disturb um kind of just what we talked about like i really truly think it circumvents like um a human's uh journey in life because we're so focused on this person. We're so focused on this person. I wish I had that. Mm -hmm. I wish I had this. 
um, unconsciously, subconsciously, whatever you, whatever, you know, whether you admit to it or not, we compare ourselves. That is the natural human tendency. And um, the more that we compare ourselves, the more that we downplay our own experiences, our own thoughts, our own self-confidence, allows us to not um, apply for certain experiences, allows us, you know, not to overcome certain fears. All that plays in a role. And if we spend, you know, I just read a fact, um, you know, we spend six, seven hours in front of like a TV screen, phone screen, computer screen Mm -hmm. each and every day. Just think how much that has a significant effect on your conscious and subconscious mind every single day. And if that narrative is always telling yourself, I can't do this, I can't do that, I don't have this, I don't have that, think of how many experiences that you're leaving on the table because of that that negative narrative that can can possibly... um, you know, accumulate over time. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying social media is a bad thing. I'm just saying stay conscious and aware. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. Um, so how do you feel about Instagram removing, like, the likes from the page? Do you feel I, like it makes a difference? or? I, I think it... I, th- I see where Instagram is headed with that. I, I certainly think it's valuable um, because, I mean, it's the comparison syndrome. You know, I, you know, I think everybody is... Every single body who has a social media account feels the pressure of when they post something out there and they want to see how many likes they can get. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are. I don't care how strong you are. You you have some type of feeling out there that when you go back into your Instagram account and you open it up, you want to see how many likes you got, yeah. right? And then certain time periods that you posted, did you get more likes and the <laughs> algorithms hopefully work against you, you know, um, hopefully don't work against you. But um, I see what they're doing. It makes sense. Of course, we're going to have a lot of people that don't necessarily like that. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, I think the likes are only going to be shown to the person that posts the picture, yeah. right? So it won't be shown to anybody yeah. else. So you're just competing with yourself now. Exactly. <laughs> That's what life is all about. Is that a about. competition, though? Like, I don't know. Is that is that healthier? Um, We'll have to see. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see. There's one thing that I've learned about life and these these races that I've been doing. It's It's to always run your own race. You know, when you start comparing yourself to other people, um, that's when you bring yourself down and you bring the other person down with you. Mm-hmm. That's interesting way to think about it. So what was your first race? My first race? Uh, I think my first official race was the Baltimore Running Festival, um, the marathon last year in October. Wow. Yeah. How long is that's 13K for 26K? 26.2 miles. 26.2 miles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Marathon. How many kilometers that is. Um. (laughs) Couldn't tell you. Okay. But um, yeah, so my my goal was to run a marathon last year, and then my goal this year was to run a 50K, Mm -hmm. which is 31, about 31 miles. How many hours did that take you? The 31 miles one? Yeah. Um, Started at 6 a.m., and I ended at 2.08 p.m. Okay, so like so eight, eight hours. hours. Yeah, wow. Oh, four. And it was funny because as soon as like my my friends, one of some of my best friends were texting me, was like, "Hey, Chaz, how'd the run go?" And he was like, "How long did it take you?" I was like, eight hours." He was like, "They were like, that's how long I was at work. That's a yeah. full work day. You were running a full work yeah. day." I was like, "Holy crap, I was." <laughs> what was the hardest like mile? Oh man, I think what was really hard was um, being up there. There was a lot of hills. So you would run eight miles, then you would have to walk up this large hill for like three, run six miles, run up this large hill for two. And um, I can't say there was a specific part. Actually, I have a video on YouTube. There were specific moments where I was like, I feel like terrible. Yeah. Were you like videoing yourself the whole time? Yep. I had a GoPro. Oh, cool. Every once in a while, I I would pull it out where I was like maybe in a dark moment. But, but this is what I love about these races, right? You get, like, a full experience of, like, life just in a couple of hours. Yeah. Like, the ups, the downs, the happiness, the failures, the success. So, um, and then, you know, what I do, you know, at my nonprofit and stuff, I, I love to um, uh, create that authenticity. So, you know, when I speak about these experiences, when I talk about mental resilience, it's like it is some of the things that I do and incorporate in my life. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. So what made you want to start a nonprofit? Um, I don't think the intent was a nonprofit. I think the intent was to make a difference mm-hmm. um, in some of the knowledge that uh, I've accumulated and some of my friends accumulated. And um, I think the, the importance of having an entity that 
America, United States government, whatever, whatever, rep, you know, um, you know, it was documented and we did things. Like, none of that really matters to us. Really, what really matters is making a difference in a substantial way. And in order for us to do that, we had to go get documented. Mm-hmm. We had to go get the 501c3 tax exemption status um, in order for people to donate. Yeah. And we had to start writing for grants and things. Because, like, my biggest thing is, like, I don't care how it's done. Like, I just want to make a difference and make an impact. If it is, if, if it's going to take to start something like that or create an entity like that, mm-hmm. then we'll do it. Um, but it's really about making a difference. And one of the things that I really love about our workshops is, like, when when we do our workshops, kids reach back out to us and they say, Chaz, Nikki, Shema, like, you know, I'm struggling with this thing, you know. I heard you say something about thoughts, actions, habits, character, destiny. Can you explain that again? Mm-hmm. Like, so. Yeah. yeah, so you see the difference that you're making. Yeah, like, <laughs> immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What schools are you working with? So, um, we've worked with uh, organizations like Foster Youth, like Best Kids mm-hmm. Incorporated in D.C. Um, we've done workshops with them. Um, we've done workshops in the Cherry Hill community in Baltimore, which is one of the toughest areas in Baltimore. Um, like I told you, we did workshops with the Boys and Girls Clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really about wherever we can find and get a yeah. gig, but okay. we really want to serve the underserved communities. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, are you looking at expanding it outside of like the DMV area? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think it's right now the DMV area because most of the facilitators and the mentors that come yeah. out are just in this area. It's just, yeah, that's, the that's just what it is. <laughs> um, when I get to a point where we can expand it and we have the resourcing and we have the funds to do so, you know, I think that'll happen over time. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's your love language? <laughs> it's funny. I love this book. <laughs> Me too. My love language is. Um, Oh my God, what's my love language? Oh yeah, words of affirmation. Oh, okay. Um, growing up, my mom always told me, Chaz, you can be the best, you, you know, you can do anything that you want. Um, you're smart, you're talented. So I got that like really early and that's where my brain started to formulate things. And that's, you know, when you talk about, you know, how you want to be loved and, um, you know, your love language, it really comes from, uh, you know, how your parents um, took care of you. Yeah. It, it all comes from your parents. So if you really want to know how to love your significant other, mm-hmm. you might want to see how their relationship is with their parents. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. So you know they have they say that you have like a giving language and then like a receiving language. Like what's your uh, giving language? Like is there like one for like creating experiences or something? Um there's quality time and then there's gift giving. Gift giving. Acts of service. Maybe it's like also. acts of service, okay. something like that. Yeah. Um I feel like mine is like my giving is like um, gift giving <laughs> gift giving and then my receiving is like quality time or words of affirmation one of those words of affirmation do you think that comes from you know how you were growing up um I think I don't really think so I don't know okay I feel like my parents I feel like it comes from like communicating yeah so it's like I learned like you know like I feel like my parents weren't that good at communicating no like offense to them but I feel like I've learned how to communicate better so it's like once you know right. better you expect better so it's like yeah. So what they say is in this book is um, they talk about how, yeah, you know, some of that stuff stimulates from your parents, but it's like, it's either like c- comes directly from your parents or the exact opposite. Yeah, like in opposition. Or you, re- you like, recognize it and yeah. you say, I, I don't want to facilitate or give that type of love. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. Um, um, who's your favorite partner? If it's a current one. <laughs> Yeah, my current one. That's my girl, man. Absolutely. That's my road dog. It's like when you're in a relationship, it's kind of like, hey, can I answer this question? Like, <laughs> exactly. That's funny. Um, what's your favorite part about her? My favorite? Oh, man. I have so many things that I love about this woman. I love the way that she treats her family and just the the the, um, the love that she, she exudes for... Um, just trying to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard because, you know, we have full-time jobs, we have this, we have that. But at the end of the day, she knows, like, deep in her heart, like, how important it is to give back. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when she wakes up in the morning, you know, she's trying to figure out how she can, you know, economically impact people. Um, so one of the businesses that she started is to help find um, scholarships and student loan paydowns. Okay. Um, and you know, that's, that's like deeply written into her heart. Mm -hmm. And uh, I told myself, you know, it was very important for, 
um, me to find a significant other that you know had those morals and those values because those are the same morals and values that I have in my mm-hmm. heart. Where did you find her? Where did I find her? <laughs> um, one of my good buddies. Uh, that's the best way to meet people, I feel like. That's what I hear. One of my yeah. frat bros, um, Malcolm. Uh, Alpha Phi Alpha, the, uh, the best fraternity out there. Um, yeah, we met at a um, at a bar down in uh, D.C. for okay. his birthday. So cool. birthday, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Networking is interesting. I feel like um, I love having parties here, and I feel like the best parties come from like house parties because it's like yeah. somebody's like vouched for. So oh yes. It's like you know, like oh, I know that like you're safer than like just a random stranger. Yeah, so yeah, I can right let on. my guard down, and then like you can be more vulnerable and like create, I guess, better friendships yeah i'm like is the word better used the right way but yeah like create i guess like yeah more I intimate friendships i guess would be i agree and plus saying. you can hear yourself like i, I hate going <laughs> to bars because you can't even hear anything yeah yeah <laughs> see like i hate going to clubs because like yeah yeah so yeah. i clubs and bars mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so i'm like i'll like sit at a bar all day but like a club i'm just like this is not fun <laughs> it used to be fun until i realized i'm like this is i'm not getting anything done this isn't effective yeah. for my growth and it's expensive Exactly. For one side. <laughs> For us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I feel like we have, like, the pre-work. So, you know, it's like we have to, like, buy the dress and the makeup and the hair and everything. So, like, at the club, I think that we deserve the other side of, like, treatment. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair. Fair enough. So what do you do for fun now? Run. <laughs> Spend time with my girlfriend. Um I mean, you know, my nonprofit is fun for me, Nikki and Shama, my co-founders. Um, I mean, yeah, I think running has like been like my like my hobby, mm-hmm. my go-to now. How many hours a week do you spend running? So I've cut down, but when I was <laughs> training for my fifty k, I mean, I was waking up at you know four three a.m. to run, you know, six seven eight. Um, I remember I promised myself, this was in uh, October, about two, three weeks before my race, Mm -hmm. I challenged myself to wake up at 3 a.m. and to run at least 18, 19 miles before work. And mind you, that takes a lot of time to do that. So I at least need three hours, wake up, get something to eat, go run, come back, take a shower, then go to work Mm -hmm. (laughs) and get there by 7 (laughs) a.m. So it was a challenge that I had, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Life, you know, I only have one life. I want to be able to tell this story to my yeah. kids. And I did it. <laughs> it's all over social media. Like, I had a, I have a story and everything. People mm-hmm. are like, Chaz, you're crazy. I'm like, yeah. at least I have a cool story. It is a cool story. I, I don't think I can do it myself. You can. Um, I'm not a morning person, like, at all. You can turn yourself into that. <laughs> did you turn yourself into a morning person, or have you always been like that? Uh, I go through periods. Okay. I was really good this week because, you know, like, it's the daylight saving time week. So, it's like you get that extra hour. So, like... Until that, that body nice, right? like, goes back. Next week is going to be tough, but... I know. <laughs> Do you drink coffee? How Absolutely you, like, not. No? Okay. I feel no. like it's weird because morning people... Well, I guess that makes sense. Morning people don't drink coffee because they don't need it. Yeah. But I would think that it would help still. For I, I drink uh, mint tea mm-hmm. um, with some honey, but that's about it. Like, I don't need it. Personally, I just, I just want water. I mean... Medicine should be your food. Food should be your medicine. Like everything that I have uh, coming into my body, I wanted to give me energy and to make me feel good. Mm-hmm. When I drink coffee, I feel like I'm on crack. Oh, it doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> like it's like too much caffeine. Yeah. Like my body doesn't recognize it. Like mm-hmm. you know when you somebody drink it. Yeah, yeah so I don't drink caffeine. Like I was. I mean, I drink Sprite every now and then, but I started to realize like like how it had an effect on my head. Mm-hmm. And then I would start breaking out in my face. So Oh, well, yeah. yeah. That's a good reason to stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so what's your dream job? Oh, man. Um, I think my dream job, I'm kind of living it right now. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I'm a cyber defense engineer, um, uh, what they call the intelligence community. And basically I lead a team about five or six um analysts that uh, respond to global cyber events that are happening on our infrastructure. Um, and I mean, when I was in high school, this is literally like my dream job. Wow. Yeah. Um, I was always interested in cyber, um, really got interested in like leadership and leading teams shortly mm-hmm. after that. So that's my role right now. I'm not really like a hands-on keyboard type of person. Um, so yeah, I think I'm living my, that with, you know, my nonprofit Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, 
I think I'm living that right now. How do you have time, like, with, like, the nonprofit, the job, and then, like, running? Like, and a full-time relationship also, you know? Like, how do you, where do you find time? Like, yeah. I guess the time for yourself is, like, the running, or, like, do you have, like, downtime outside of the running? I, I ensure to have downtime. So, typically, you know, when I'm training for a race or when I'm running, I like to run in the morning. Um, but before I do anything, I meditate. Mm-hmm. And then right after I meditate, I read a book. Um, 15 minutes of meditation, 15 minutes of reading a book. Um, I get so much peace from just sitting and hearing the own con- my own conversation in my head um, to focus my attention and intention on the day. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then reading a book, feeding my mind with material that'll, that'll support my life. Mm-hmm. Um, positive, inspirational stories or things that can um, uh, provide uh, a little bit more productivity in my life, things of that nature. Um, and it really just kickstarts my day. That yeah. like that's my time. To like I, sit and relax. Yeah, yeah, like I think it. Like if if I could give anything to anybody, it would be to ensure that they have like a repetitive time where they can come back to center. No matter what happened yesterday, no matter what's going to happen into uh, today, um, like you have that time where you can say, "Hey, I know where I'm going. Um, it's okay. Maybe I messed up in the past, but um, you have that that center and that foundation to always come back to." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I need to do that, like, set aside a time at some point. Like, just pick a time, I guess. Because yeah. for right now, I kind of, like, mix, like, I guess, like, the alone time and the gym time. So I go to the ah. gym, like, four times a week. Yeah. So, like, at the gym, that's, like, my, like, this is me time. Like, yeah. period. Like, I don't want to talk to anybody and, like, you know, I'm focused. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's still good, though. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's a time where you can just be by yourself. Yeah. And just experience that. So that's, I mean, that's really important. Because you know that about yourself. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. It's like I'm just going to the gym, just go to the gym, Mm -hmm. right? So yeah, it's effective. Yeah, yeah. It was um interesting, like moving into a house like alone, and like Uh, realizing like how much time you like would spend alone. Yeah, like how much time you didn't realize that you would be alone. I guess if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, like learning to be alone, like that was like a part of this year, also. You know, that's new. So yeah, that's interesting. I. uh, being as candor as I can and you know vulnerable like that's that's one of the things I had to deal with myself like I didn't like to be alone mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know through meditation and you know you know um, come understanding like how I grew up and the things that you know I desired um, I started getting really good at that conversation in my head and it started to place me in certain um, experiences and you know I, I just get so much peace from just hearing what's going on in my head and beginning, beginning to understand like no matter what you go through you're gonna be okay yeah have you like okay so I have like this kind of like weird I guess I guess it's like the Freudian kind of theory where it's like you know like you have your conscious mind your subconscious mind that kind of controls yeah. your conscious self do you believe in that and have you like started to recognize like those patterns of like <sighs> Your subconscious, like, 100%. Kind of controlling you? So 95% of your life is controlled by your subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. Your prefrontal cortex, your willpower, <clears throat> um, like, who you are consciously, all that stuff gets fed. Those thoughts seep from your conscious mind into your subconscious mind. Um, the only way to truly access your subconscious mind is through repetition, consistency, trauma, mm-hmm. either good trauma or bad trauma. Um and there are ways to significantly influence your subconscious mind. So your subconscious mind, your morals, your values, mm-hmm. how you grew up, the things that you do that um, you don't even know that you do, but yeah. your, your friends can tell you that you do it, yeah. right? And that's through repetition and consistency. Your brain is, um, is, is designing itself. So the more times that you do something, like that's what you become. And um, you'll get to a point, you know, when you, you start to do meditation, you'll begin to recognize certain things that you haven't recognized about yourself Mm -hmm. Um, some of the unconscious things that you do and then you can say I don't want to be like that I want to make the adjustment (laughs) um, and find myself to have a new conversation or start a new narrative about Mm -hmm. you know that relationship that I have a new narrative with how I treat people yeah right because if you're not conscious and aware then you have no opportunity to make those adjustments Mm -hmm. What was, do you have, like, an example of something that you had to adjust for yourself? Um, for me, I recently, like, um, 
at the gym, it's like, this is like, I guess just a personal thing, not like interpersonal, but um, I've realized I don't like doing cardio like almost at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So instead of like, I'll like, you know, go to the gym and I love doing the weights, I can do that um, all day, but after I'm like, no, I'll do cardio tomorrow. Yeah. So I started doing cardio during lunch okay. to like force myself into that pattern of like, okay, we're going to get cardio done yeah. and weights done. So, yeah. Yeah. You need to re- read the book Willpower Instinct. Okay. That's I was really going to ask good. you for book, your book recommendations. Oh, I got plenty. Willpower <laughs> Instinct, you would love that. Okay. It talks about kind of like putting things off um, as opposed to doing them now and mm-hmm. then how you're like neurologically changing your brain every time you do stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yes, I do have an example. That's really good. Uh, so, you know, starting a nonprofit, it's certainly not the easiest thing. And then, you know, the amount of impact that I, you know, want and we want to have um, means a lot to us and me. So there's certain periods where it's really hard. Mm-hmm. So there were certain times where I would come home from work and I know I'd have to do some nonprofit stuff, but like I was fearful of, of doing certain things. Yeah. I was I was just fearful. I don't even know why I was feared, you know, you know, fearing anything. But you know what they say, you know, fear is false evidence appearing real. Like it's just neurological structure in your brain that makes you feel like you're supposed to fear something when yeah. you, it just doesn't even matter. But I started to recognize this when I got home and I would binge watch Netflix. <laughs> and I started to realize like unconsciously I was doing this because I didn't want to go over there to my computer yeah. and start emailing people. Mm-hmm. Like I was afraid. Yeah. But I wouldn't have recognized that if I didn't take the time to understand myself and to have the experience to fully know myself consciously um, and have the awareness to say, hey, Jazz, you realize that you're not emailing those people right now and you're binge watching Netflix, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you're overcompensating for something else to put something off. Mm-hmm. Like that was a true like experience for me, yeah. which was crazy. I feel like an interesting thing is also like using, talking to yourself in the third person. I feel uh, like that like intention also like kind of helps you like, you know, analyze yourself a little bit better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like thinking in like we instead of like I, which is like something that I don't know. Interesting. It's an interesting thing that I've started. Does it help? I, I think so. I feel like, you know, like, I'm on a team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's your team. <laughs> yeah. All these genes on me? Us, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what's your biggest fear now? Oh, man, I, I just wrote this down. So, my biggest fear is not having the opportunity to um, share the knowledge that I've accumulated over time to help somebody. Um <clears throat> I've made it really important to my life to um, not only accumulate a lot of knowledge about how the mind works, mindfulness, mindfulness, anxiety, positive thinking, the science of belief, faith, all that stuff. Just really like believing in somebody, mm-hmm. like believing in your own ideas. Like how can we get to the point where everybody believes their own, in their own ideas? Because unfortunately, Kanye West said it, and he said it pretty well, unfortunately. He said, you know, when people don't believe in themselves – that only not only knocks themselves down, but that also demotes and knocks the other the people beside you down. Mm-hmm. And I want to get to the point where we all believe in ourselves to start doing things for our community so we can start sharing and, and, and having growth and stuff. But, you know, I've made it my life mission to instill mental resilience, to share the knowledge that I've, uh, you know, accumulated, to... Um, inspire the next generation with the knowledge that I've accumulated. And if I don't have an opportunity to share my story, like be on podcasts like this or write my blogs or, or do my publication in the Baltimore times, I feel like my life was not um, fully represented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's the number one thing that you want to teach? I guess it's mindfulness. I would assume that it's mindfulness. I think, uh, I think the overarching goal is, um, mindfulness is, is, is really important. Mm-hmm. I, I think I want to teach that you, you don't need any like external factors to, to keep you happy. Like peace and happiness is all in your mind. Yeah. And um, we get caught up in a lot of different things, especially in the Western world. It's like, I need this, I need that in order for me to be happy. But really... We don't need any of this. Like, yeah. if you think about the the cultures um, that are all over the world that don't nearly have as much things as we do, um, 
but they are extremely happy. Mm-hmm. And you, you think to yourself, it's like, man, why do I need all these things to be happy? You don't. But we've put ourselves in a position where we feel like we need to buy more. These companies are getting really good at, at marketing and finding the dopamine in the human brain and you know, telling us to click a button, to like this, to yeah. purchase that, and to circumvent the human brain to um, tell us that this is, a, this is like a false narrative. And, you know, I just really want to give people peace, yeah. peace of mind yeah. at the end of the day. That's awesome. Nice. <laughs> <That> sounds great. <laughs> I think um, I'm just realizing that, like, well, not just, but, like, you know, like, coming into that mindset of, like, um, just trying to be happy on my own yeah. instead of, like, looking for, like, happiness from other people or things also. Yeah. Like, it's, like, it takes a lot of, like, I guess mindfulness for me, you know, like, Yeah. Yeah. Like, thinking about, like, friendships and, like, relationships and everything. And, like, just even... Like you were saying, like, things. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's... I'm it, at that point in my life, I guess. And it's, it's... I mean, honestly, I think it's probably one of the hardest things that a human can do. It's, like, the process of human self-exploration. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's, like, monks that meditate and try to understand <laughs> their mind for hours. Yeah. Right? Um, but if you can set 15, 20 minutes, you know to sit with yourself and to hear your own thoughts, you will be very surprised at where your life will take you. Mm -hmm. So my Twitter bio right now is you have to be out of your mind to be into your mind. Wow. I like that. Yeah. And I'm like, I feel like that scares a couple of people off, but (laughs) it's true to me at least, you know? I I like that. (laughs) I don't even, um, can you say that one more time? You have to be out of your mind to be into your mind. Mm. I like that. I'm going to have to meditate on that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the last question that I have for you is, do you have any questions for me? Um, being that, um, you know, you started this podcast, it's about kind of um, either talking to friends or strangers. You know, what's been the biggest benefit um, that you've received from, you know, talking through, talking to all these people and interacting and learning, like what, what, you know, what's like, like, what are some of the things that you're seeing or learning? Um, I would say the number one thing that I'm learning is like, um, the importance of vulnerability Mm -hmm. and like, just like the, to the people around you, like even Mm -hmm. to strangers, like if we all like, kind of like, I guess, realize that we're all human and we're all living like in this world together and we just like have to make it together then like I feel like we start to treat people better and that's I guess kind of what the podcast is about is kind of like giving you a view of a person that maybe you haven't met yet Mm -hmm. and like helping you understand like you know different people's situations and everything yeah so yeah I feel like that accountability also is like a big thing um about well, like, I guess just, like, in relationships, but also, like, with the actual podcast about, like, okay, so I have to make a commitment to, like, recording these episodes and editing them and putting them out every Tuesday. Right, so, right. Yeah. I love that. Um, so are there things that, like, that you can take from your podcast and, like, incorporate into your life? Um, yeah, definitely. I think, yeah. like, the... Um, <laughs> it sounds negative to call it like perseverance yeah. um, but like going through like this whole year like you know like putting out podcasts I think like that has taught me a lot but especially like I call myself like a hobby jumper so it's like I'll like you know like get really interested in something and like commit to it for a while like get good at it and then like okay I've learned enough about that and put it down That's and right. like this has like been something that's just like okay well I'm keeping going yeah keeping going and like developing and learning and everything so. that's amazing yeah well I, I commend you on your journey thank you just stick to that because um i don't know i feel like the universe or whatever you believe in god um you know gave you something that you should continue to work with thank you yeah cool um do you have any other questions um it was nice to meet you okay <laughs> <laughs> um so if you have any social media that you would like to plug you can plug that here Absolutely. So you can follow me, uh, Mr. Underscore Caviar, um, uh, on Instagram, on Twitter, and you can follow our nonprofit, Positively Caviar, um, on Instagram, and then on Twitter, it's Positive Caviar, no L-E um, on Twitter. Go ahead and follow us. We're producing content that supports your life. We're also talking about the neurological structure of your brain, how can we increase productivity, happiness, and peace 
All that stuff you can find either on my account, Mr. Underscore Caviar, and Positively Caviar. Okay, great. Um, I do have to ask, though, where did caviar come from? Like, <laughs> It's like four people ask me. I mean, it makes <laughs> sense. It's like a random name. So obviously caviar is a, it's fish eggs. It's, mm-hmm. it's a delicacy, right? So we want people to live the best sort of lives that they can, um, you know, however long oh, that is, right? Yeah. But let's 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 bring it back to the real world. Mm-hmm. So caviar was uh, a nickname that was given to me by my cousins because of my full name. My full name is Charles Carrington Scott. So I was named after my <laughs> grandfather, and they said I sounded like a prince. They yeah. were like, "Oh, we're gonna call you caviar." I was like, "I hate that name growing up." But when I was thinking of like, um, I always wanted something that kind of had a little bit of me in there. They always mm-hmm. people used to tell me that, "Jazz, you know, when I'm around you, you know, you make me feel good." And I was like, "Okay." Positive energy, that's me. You know, how can I start to blend in some of that into this organization? And I started about caviar, and then people started asking me, what does caviar mean? Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I got to make sure this correlates. Yeah, like, yeah. let's talk about the real things, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I just thought about it. Like, caviar, like, a delicacy. And you're, like, serving underprivileged communities. So it's, like, kind of like, you know, like, bringing a delicacy to underprivileged communities. That's so that point. could also be another story That's that That's we, a good plug. Yeah. I'm going to use that. Because <laughs> okay. first it was a delicacy of life. Mm-hmm. But that's, I like that. Yeah, thank you. I like that. I have <laughs> so. to tell my team. <laughs> Do you have any um, projects that you're working on? Um, outside of that stuff? Um, Everything I, that, yeah, we talked about. I mean, I have, I, I do write uh, a number of blogs. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, love writing. One of the ones that I just recently posted was about how, um, so I'm in cyber, but there's stuff out there called um, Psychographics, Cambridge Analytica, Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, this organization used Facebook's social media to corrupt basically the entire democratic process of yeah. voting, the minds of Americans, American people, putting mm-hmm. out false ads about certain candidates in 2016 yeah. that actually specifically focused um, a subset of Americans. Wow, so it was right? a bit more sinister than we thought. Yeah, you, want, you know who those subset of Americans were? No. African-American mm-hmm. people. Yeah. I'll have to send it to you, but um, uh, countries um, and also private entities are starting to really circumvent all of this information and to use it to um, unconsciously control you yeah. and to, um, to tell you certain things that may not be true about certain candidates for you to either not vote at all, right? They were telling people yeah. unconsciously... Mm-hmm not to vote for Hillary Clinton or not vote at all. Yeah. And unconsciously, you know, separating um, and creating this epidemic with, you know, with gun laws and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And unconsciously, this stuff was happening um, through a private entity called Cambridge Analytica and also um, countries overseas like Russia and yeah. China. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So that's what I talk about. Okay, cool. Yeah. Is it like all focused on that or like... Uh, no, no. So oh. my, my blog, on my Medium blog, it talks about cyber, it talks about black wealth, um, you know, budgeting, um, and also, uh, you know, kind of, you know, my whole mindfulness, positive thinking. Mm-hmm. So all the things that I love okay. that I feel like everybody should and know. And did you um, give them your Medium account? Uh, or do you want to? I don't to? even know my Medium account. Okay. I think it's Chaz Scott 15 to be honest with you. Um, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I guess they can find it through your... Social media, Instagram, maybe? Yeah, they actually can find it <laughs> okay. through my Instagram handle, Mr. Underscore Caviar. There it is. Okay, cool. Um, well, thank you for being here. Thank you for your time. Um, if you guys would like to follow the podcast, you can do that at NTMY Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you would like to subscribe to the podcast, you can do that on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, or just something that you want to share, you can send those emails over to ntmypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you next week.